0: Well, good morning. good morning, and happy Fourth of July to everyone. We all celebrate last night. Yeah, I got to watch some fireworks and everything. We have so much to celebrate in this country. We have so much freedom. It is just wonderful, and it's it's truly a blessing from God. And I know, I know, in the last couple of weeks that it seems like that freedom is is greatly up for discussion. <laughs> but uh, but we know that there's freedom man can give and take away, and then there's another kind of freedom, isn't there? So. Uh, Great to celebrate this morning. Uh, speaking of freedom, we have been in a series in the Book of Philippians, uh, written by a man named Paul, um, who freedom has been taken away. He's in jail as he writes this letter to the church because he's been um, bad boy preaching the gospel uh, all over and planning churches, and so the authorities decided that you know it's time to shut him down. So he's in jail as he writes this letter. And he's writing it back to a church that he planted some 10 years ago. And he just loves this church. He loves these people. And they are supporting him while he's in jail. Because, you know, unlike modern jail where they feed you and clothe you and house you, in uh, first century Palestine, you had to pay for that yourself. So the Philippian church has been supporting Paul. And they've been writing back and forth. But Paul has heard that there are some things going on in the church that probably shouldn't be going on. There's some divisions, there's some friction, and there's some problems. So Paul writes this very encouraging letter back to them to to give them some counsel and say, Hey, come on, get it together. So uh, we're going to be in chapter 3 this morning, right at the beginning. If you want to turn over there, either in your app or if you're like me, old school, and uh, go ahead in there. So Philippians 3... And we're going we're gonna to take a big chunk, 1 to 14. So, further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh although I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Hmm. But whatever were gains to me, On the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. And participation in his suffering. Becoming like him in death. And so somehow. Attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of this. Or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on. To take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Lord, breathe on your word this morning. Lord, as we celebrate freedom and we celebrate All of the blessing and the freedom that we have in you this morning, Father. Teach us, teach us to forget what lies behind, strain toward the prize of you. Holy Spirit, come, just inhabit our time together this morning. Enliven it, quicken it, and bring the word deep to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so as I'm reading this, the first thing that strikes me is how many times Paul uses words like, I have more, gains and losses, Um, I count. He says I count several times, surpassing worth. So it struck me immediately, and let me tell you, about four and a half years ago, he gave me a copy of this. I think we... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I I could begin to learn the language of accounting, and we we could converse. And so I have come to recognize that language, and I've come to recognize a balance sheet when I see one. And I think that's what Paul's doing with us in this passage. He's kind of given us, I I think it's about three different accounting lessons. And so we're going to dive into those this morning Pardon me, and uh, and see how he gets us kind of to the bottom line. So I think our first lesson is this, is there's a group of people, and isn't it true, you know, whether you're in church or wherever you are, there's always a little group out of the big group that has got their own agenda, and they want to do things their way, and they've got a better way of doing things than everybody else. But there's, there's a group of people in this church who used to be Jewish, and they've come into the church and now they, they say, you know, we're going to begin following Christ. The problem is they just can't let it go. They just can't let their, you know, Jewishness, their culture, their tradition, all of that, they just can't let it go. So they're dragging it into the church with them. And to be honest, you know, to some extent, we all do that. We all bring something through those doors with us, culture-wise, don't we? I mean, whether, you know, you are I'm, I'm learning. I've lived here 12 years now, so I can, I can proudly say I'm kind of becoming redneck, okay? <laughs> so you, I, I bring that through the doors with me. But, you know, if you were raised in upstate New York or Maine or Southern California, you bring that through the doors with you this morning as well. And you bring your economic status with you this morning. You can't help it. You know, not only on the scale of economic status here in Myrtle Beach, where, you know, we have some haves and we have some have-nots. But you bring your American economic status with you. How you look at and hear the gospel is very, very different than, say, a, a, a young person who's living in a slum outside of New Delhi, India. There's a wide range of things and perspectives we bring to the gospel. This morning, you bring your political views with you whether you realize it or not do you know i be careful who you're sitting next to you some of you may not even be republican i know it's a shock <laughs> but you bring that in with you as well this morning you bring your race in with you this morning you kind of can't help that one and that gives you a different perspective that gives you a different way of hearing and looking at the gospel message You bring your gender in this morning. You know, Paul talks about circumcision. That definitely is going to hit some of our ears differently than others. So you bring that in with you as well. And here's the thing. That's good. All of that diversity, all of that multicultural flavor, that's good. That's how God designed his church. You know this book? All throughout there, he talks about every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every type of person gathering together. Next week, we are so lucky. Um, Tim and Karen are already headed up there. And, and my wife and I are going too. we're going to Columbus where there's going to be the first international vineyard conference really ever. Because the last one was 20 years ago and there was us in Vineyard UK. That was it. But there are going to be, Last tweet I saw, there's about 4,000 people from 56 different countries. Do you know there's 3,000 vineyards in the world? And it started here as a fellowship in Hollywood, and there's only 600 in the United States, and there's 2,400 in the rest of the world, four times as many. We are in 75 countries. That is beautiful. That is what God wants to see out of his church. Everyone, a church that reaches everyone. But there's one thing that all of that multiculturalism and all of that diversity and everything doesn't change. This doesn't change. One word of the gospel. It does not change how qualified you are or not qualified you are to receive the gospel. Everyone can hear and receive the gospel. Every one. It does not change the fact that Jesus Christ came to earth, son of God, son of man, lived a perfect sinless life, died on a cross, was resurrected, so he could sit at the right hand of God and talk to him about us and cleanse us from our sins and restore us to right relationship, righteousness in the eyes of Of a loving, godly Father that created us. It doesn't change. One word of that. So your first fill-in this morning. And I know just on the back there, you just have a place where you can take notes. But if you want to do a fill-in this morning, is this. The gospel equals Jesus plus nothing. It is not Jesus plus Christian music. It is not Jesus plus right action. It is not... You know, all of those things we could, we could make it. And that's for one very good reason. The gospel has nothing to do with anything you've ever done, could do, will do, thought about doing, haven't done. It's not about your behavior. It is totally 100% about what Jesus Christ did on that cross. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's all it is. Paul gets to this next accounting lesson. And all of that part about circumcised on the eighth that's day, his, that's his old resume. Okay, so he kind of throws up his resume. And you would think Paul, who's written, I don't know, a couple, couple books of the Bible, right? He would be entitled to, post his full resume. No, he posts his old resume. You know what this resume is from? This resume is when from when Paul's name was Saul. Okay? Paul used to be named Saul. God changed his name. He got a hold of him one day. He literally knocked Saul off his camel and said, Dude, what's your problem? Because Saul was killing and persecuting Christians. He was going after people like you and me and anyone who was associated with, you know, we didn't have the Christian church at that time. as was people trying to follow Jesus. Going after them and legally presenting a document so that he could have them executed. He stood by while a young man, barely a man, Stephen, was stoned to death and applauded. That was Saul. And Paul says, here's, here's who I was in Saul. Here's kind of my... My balance sheet is Saul, circumcised on the eighth day, uh, a pure Hebrew. Benjamin, uh, that, that was the only tribe that stuck by David and continued to do right. Well, all the craziness is going on in the Old Testament. He's a Pharisee. He's passionate. He says, look, credit it to me that I killed the right people. I killed Christians. He's perfect in every way. And he says, this is my total net worth to God. And he says, look, that's how it is when I do the accounting. And that's how what it looks like when we keep our own books, right? When we, when we start telling God how much we're worth to him, how many wonderful things we've done, how many times we've gone to church on Sunday at 830 consecutively, you know, how kind we've been to that homeless guy who's out here on the corner. And all those things are good. You know, it's good to be proud of your family and where you come from. That's, that's not bad stuff. That has nothing to do with your righteousness in front of God. Okay? Paul says, this is what it looks like when we keep our own books. But the truth is, here's what he says about it in verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. This is all that stuff? That beautiful resume? All of those qualifications? I had all of those qualifications and I stood by while well, they killed people. It's 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 trash. Just wad up that resume and chuck it. And you know you have the freedom to do that this morning too. You can wad up that resume good or bad and chuck it. And learn to do differently. With your accounting, in fact, Paul says, "What is more, I consider everything a loss. Everything now he's now he's plugging in the last thirty years where he's been planting churches and spreading the gospel. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage." 30 years of church planning, he says, I consider it garbage compared to knowing Christ. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. He says, really? This is what our balance sheet looks like. This is what our balance sheet looks like. See all those liabilities on the right? You're constantly accruing sin. The fact that you have a human heart, that alone is enough to to keep us out of right standing with God. You know, I was born this way. I have an astronomically incredibly large debt to pay off to get to God. And I can't pay that myself, but knowing Jesus Christ, asking him into my life... getting his righteousness from that cross. That's more than I'll ever need. That's more grace than any of us will ever need to balance the books. So your second fill-in is this. Knowing Jesus is greater than anything. Knowing Jesus has been greater than anything. You know, you think about the 30 years that that Paul has been out and spreading the gospel and planting churches and all of the things that he's seen you know the the spread of the church in western asia there's been alone and there's more than that even so he's seen the gospel spread among people who never heard of Jesus who were not jewish and had no idea of jehovah god and he sees them get Captured and apprehended by Christ in plant churches and their lives change. And they start doing things differently. People who were worshiping sex gods in pagan temples. Christ gets a hold of them and changes their life. Paul has seen. Do you ever read the book of Acts? You ever read that? There's some pretty amazing stuff in there. People get healed. Blind people start to see. Dead people come back. Paul gets to see all this prophetic words. I mean, man. And he's seen some other stuff, too. I can't tell you how many times Paul is beaten within inches of his life. He's stoned. He's been run out of town, which doesn't mean they come and hand you a note and say, well, could you please go? No. (laughs) They throw rocks at you until you leave. They threaten to kill you. Paul's seen that. Paul's been shipwrecked. He's almost starved to death who knows how many times. This is his second time in Columbia, the big house, sorry, the Roman prison. But he's been in J. Rubens all over for a night or two. This is not, this is not fun, comfy jail, you know, kind of like we have now. They don't take care of you. They're not looking out for your best interest. We don't have a library. Paul's gone through all of that. If anyone in the world could say, look at what I've gone through for Christ, that should count for something, shouldn't it? You ever do that? God, look at what I've done for you. Jesus, look at what I've done for you. Doesn't that count for something? And Paul says, no. No, that's not where it takes me. It's not where it takes me. It takes me where I crave Jesus. I crave more Christ in my life. I want to know him. I want to know him more. All of this stuff I've seen, all these lives changed, I don't add that to me. I add that to Jesus and say, I want to know the guy that does that. I want to know the man who knocked me off my camel and said, what's your problem? And changed my life. That's what I want to do. Surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. Does your life do that for you? Does your life do that for you? When you bump against stuff, when things come into your life, good or bad, do you say, you know, I want to know the Jesus that gets me through this. I want to know That Jesus. We have stuff. We all have stuff. We have friends dying of cancer right now. Dear, dear friends. Does that make you want to know Jesus? You lose your job. Does that make you want to know Jesus more? You get to spend a beautiful afternoon with your kids. And everything's wonderful. Does that make you want to know Jesus more? That's what Paul's saying. Everything makes me want to know Jesus more. I want to get to the fullness. He says, somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul's not questioning his salvation. He's not saying, gee, somehow I just want to get saved. He's talking about the day. The day. The day Jesus is going to come back. The end of this book. He said, I just want to make it to the end of the book. I want to see when this whole rescue mission, this whole thing we've been invited into, I want to see it when it ends. I want to see the world restored. I want to see... Jesus, come back to the Grand Strand of Myrtle Beach. I want to see Jesus come back to France. I just want to get to that day because that's what we're, we're invited into. You know, why? If you're a follower of Jesus, why? Why? It's, all, it's just what I want to ask you this morning. Why? So your life can be a little more comfortable. Yeah, that comes along with it. You know, as God works in your life and changes how you do things. Yeah. But You know, there's a thing. We get eternal life and we're going to live it somewhere. I look forward to that. I can't wait. This body's going to sleep and go away. Thank God. But there's a much, much, much bigger thing. I mean... Do, do we get that? Do we understand that? When we come in here on Sundays, when we sit in our small groups, when we interact with people, there is such a bigger thing that is going to last forever and ever and ever and ever. And I can't wait to get there with all place, with all sorts of different flavors. I'm going to hear Christ worship in, in tongues and languages and things that I've, I don't even know anything about yet and get the questions answered. We got questions? I got questions I'm going to ask him. (laughs) I got a lot of questions I'm going to ask him. And you're going to know it. You're going to know it then. So your last fill-in is this. There's no more balance sheets. The books are reconciled. The books were reconciled the day Jesus Christ went on that cross. The accounting stopped. The world was judged. You and I, followers of Christ, are secured in that. So what do you do? My wife's an accountant, I said. And every month they close the books at work. And I say, well, honey, does that mean you can take the next three weeks off until book closing again? No. You still go to work every day. You still do things. There is still things to be done. Paul says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on. Toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What's the prize? The prize is Jesus. That heavenward call, or some translations say upward call, means to press on toward the prize where I am full of Christ. Zero percent Brian, 100 percent Jesus. And so that means we got to put some things behind us. And Paul's talking to the Philippian church and he says, your divisions, your problems, your infighting, forget about it. Just forget about it. It's not going to do you any good. That doesn't get you closer to the prize. Put that behind you. Forget about it. Lock your eyes on Jesus and go. Church, you have a mission. There's such a great thing waiting for you. Lock your eyes on Jesus and go. Do you remember Epaphroditus from the last chapter? Who was he? Who was he? He's just a guy in the Philippian church. He's just a guy. After this letter, you never see him again in the Bible. He is just a guy in the church, that when they said, listen, we've got some money that Paul really needs, he said, Paul, what, my friend Paul has a need? I said, yeah, we need you to take this money to him. It's uh, over a thousand miles away, and you know, I don't think they had to tell him it would be dangerous. I didn't think they had to tell him that you know, there's a possibility he could die. He was going to go do a really rough thing. But but what Epaphroditus heard was My friend Paul needs something. I can serve my friend Paul. He planted this church. He preached the gospel to me. I love him. I love him. I'll take it. I'll do it. I'll carry the can. And you remember what the scripture says? It says Because he almost died for the work of Christ. It doesn't say he almost died for Paul, it says he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. That word risk is the only time it is used throughout the entire New Testament. It translates as a 16-letter Greek word that I'm not even going to attempt. And it means gamble. People gamble. They take a little bit. And they try to turn it into a jackpot. A little bit for a jackpot. So church, let me ask you this morning. What are you willing to take a little bit and gamble for a jackpot? To know Christ more And more in your life. To know him better. To get closer to being in his presence. What little thing are you willing to risk? Willing to sell everything. Move to France and plant a church. Willing to look a 22 year old young white racist in the eye. And say I forgive you. Are you willing to go talk to your own brother. Or sister. Or mother. Or father. And say can you forgive me can you forgive me are you willing to find that one little thing that you can, you can do in your marriage to get more Jesus in your marriage that you can do for your mate are you willing to look at your professional life and take one little thing and say I want more Jesus in the way I do my job is there one little thing You could do and risk in your finances and say, I want more Jesus in my finances. I want to know him through how I pay my bills, (laughs) through how I. And this morning, if you have never risked your life, I mean your life, trusting it to Jesus. If you want to do that this morning, oh, yeah, (laughs) I can tell you there's a jackpot. There's a surpassing worth. want to do that this morning we're going to go back into worship here in a minute and if there's some prayer team people and you want to come down front that would be great and just I'll be down here if you want somebody to pray with you about any of those things if you want more Jesus in your life and you just come down and ask for prayer for that we can do that this morning